Himalayas Studios. We're well into 2021, and honestly, this year in podcasting has started off just as I expected, pretty chaotically. There have been, as you might have heard, multiple scandals at big podcast publishers of late. And more broadly, there's still a pervasive tension in the air. On the one hand, there remains a feeling that podcasting is a bubble and a novelty, but on the other hand, you have big companies gobbling smaller ones and an increasing influx of celebrities into the media. Not that that's a bad thing, necessarily. All this amounts to a feeling best captured by a yogi bearism. Nobody ever goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Is this what podcasting looks like today? From LAS Studios, this is Servant a Pod. I'm Nick Kwok. This week, the final episode of Servant a Pod, with the Verges Ashley Carmen on the state of the podcast industry in 2021. Imagine if you could charge your electric vehicle at the places you already love to eat, shop, and play. Whether you're at the movies, on your weekly grocery trip, or running errands at your local mall, Volta EV charging stations are built around your day-to-day and located in your community and nationwide. All you have to do is check in, plug in, and go about your day. It's EV charging made convenient. Download the Volta app to find your new favorite place to charge. Hi, I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, and we are back for another round. This is clearly an NPR audience. (laughs) I think they're so smart. What the hell? My guests this time are actor Vela Lavelle and author Amanda Montel, whose new book, The Age of Magical Overthinking, is out now. Join us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum for book talk, trivia, and hot takes. Tickets can be found at laist.com slash events. Okay, Ashley, how do you envision the podcast business in 2021? Wow, jumping off with the big questions. Yeah, no small questions here. (laughs) Well, I will say, you know, you kind of set the stage here of 2021 being a bad year so far. And I will say that I think we have to remind ourselves that already we've had kind of a reckoning in the industry. You know, there was the daily sort of, yeah, like the daily with Andy Mills and then the reply all drama, like that just happened. It's, It's wild that both of these things have happened. So I think that we're going to continue to hear more about these sorts of stories, but also, you know, I think that's going to leave a mark on the industry for a little while, at least in the popular view of people who maybe are just kind of coming in for the big stories and not sticking around for the little iterations of business news. But I also do think this year will continue to have the stories of the big tech companies continuing to sort of beef up their efforts in podcasting. I, I mm-hmm. kind of expect Google to start making its moves sooner than later. Um, in, in what in what forum? Because they, they do still have the Google podcasts. They like, do have the app. Semi-web thing going on. I, I'm very interested in what plays they make with advertising just because Mm -hmm. they are google they have the advertising machine for web ads and of course you know there's this discussion of how you can kind of bring some of what happens on the web over to podcasting so i just feel like google's in this place where they can just like turn the switch on 
Yeah, but aside from YouTube, um, I don't think Google has ever shown that they uh, know what they're doing with media. Um, they've tried a few things here and there, Stadia with video games, for example, uh, but they haven't really panned out. For sure, for sure. And I don't know. I mean, it is entirely possible. This is just what I want to see, kind of. I'm, I'm sort of manifesting right. it. I'm just curious. But like, it is entirely possible that Google's just like, yeah, podcasting is not for us. But they have been testing audio ads. Um, they turned that on a little while ago. So yeah, I could see it. I could see it. Okay, here's another big picture question. Um, do you think the claims that the podcast business is a bubble are overhyped? I would say, one, it's a concern of mine. Simply mm-hmm. because as someone in the media, you as well, you've, we, we lived through the pivot to video. So <laughs> I would hate to see a lot of people lose their jobs. So that's why I, I hope it's not a bubble. Yeah. And I do think there's a lot of hype. I think that most shows don't reach popular success. And I guess it's just going to be up to the companies to decide what level of success is worth the investment for them and if they'll keep doing it. Yeah. That that's my concern and I think there is room to grow podcasting. Of course. I mean, my parents don't listen to podcasts. Maybe they'll check out the Barack Obama show with Bruce Springsteen, I don't know. <laughs> but like, you know, they are a market that isn't into it. The kids market is super interesting. So I do think that there is room on all sorts of spectrums to be able to bring more people into podcasting. So I don't necessarily think it's a bubble. I I am concerned about it. What do you think though? Well, I feel like there's a fundamental sort of bone and structure and architecture of money flowing. And that's like the basis of whether something exists or not in the next one, two, five years, which is to say, if you wanted to make stuff in the space, can you make a living out of it? If you look at a question through that framework, you have a bit of a context collapse, right? On the one hand, you have people who like are, are, are workers, they're producers, they're finding jobs in new companies, they're, you know, uh, they're working at Spotify, they're working at, at any sort of number of public radio stations, they're working for maybe a private company like uh, Neon Hum or something like that. And then you have like the sort of quote unquote creator category, sort of people who like, you know, you can sort of lump a bunch of things into the space as well. You have independent podcasters, you know, people that are affiliated with somebody like Radiotopia, but also people um, that sort of are like kind of treating it as if it's blogs. So this entire push of what Anchor was supposed to be or like um, the sort of like self-serve, easy to start your own podcast thing. I feel like we're putting all of these different buckets of creators and laborers and workers and, and, and people who make stuff into the same bucket and asking the same question of like, is this will this be here in five years? And I feel like some of them will, some of them won't. Because some of them, I just feel like naturally are not a good fit for like what the space is able to provide them, which is, uh, you know, sense of independence and freedom and and like, and also like a way to build a business from around a very small product at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think kind of what I'm getting from you is that audio is here to stay. We can both agree on that very much. The form. It's yeah. a matter of though what you want out of it. Right. So if you're trying to be like, this is my full-time job, my podcast is everything, that's not going to happen for everybody. But if you're like, I use this podcast to augment my work or truly just because it's my fun thing that I like to do, maybe I make a little bit of extra cash on the side. Yeah. It could work. It really depends on what your expectations are. I hope that people can continue (laughs) to get health benefits and full-time careers if that's what they want. Because, you know, we've talked a little bit about kind of the IP struggle here which yeah. is why if they want the full-time job, I hope it's there. If they'd rather have their own content that they that they themselves own, I hope yeah. that's available to them as well. Well, that is your first big question, which is lay, lay out for me what your first big question is. So my first big question for you, Nick, is, and this is the big one, will the open ecosystem prevail or are exclusives the future? What's your uh, what's your feeling of that? Because I, I kind of feel like it's a, it's a red herring. 
I am going to go with a hybrid model here. I think mm-hmm. that exclusives make sense for the debut, the initial maybe run or a few episodes. We've seen Spotify kind of test that out with the Michelle Obama podcast. Yeah, not a Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama podcast. Yeah. Get as many people as you can over and then, yeah, open it up. I don't know what's up with Luminary. If anyone knows what's up with Luminary, please let me know. But like, I haven't heard much about Luminary. So they kind of went the full exclusive route and I don't hear much about them. So I do think the kind of this hybrid model might be the way. Yeah, so we're essentially looking at a situation where you have a bunch of these sort of a small number of relatively large platforms, right? You have Spotify, uh, you have iHeart Media, you still have Apple Podcasts, and there's some conversation around exclusives there. Like there's been that report that they may or may not be working on a quote-unquote paid podcast service. Uh, but they certainly have been making sort of quote-unquote exclusive podcasts, which is largely marketing for their other media products. The way that I see it is that the value of exclusives for those platforms, I'm setting aside something like a pure play premium paywall podcast service like Luminary, and put that aside because I, I assume, I'm, I, my gut feeling is that that company's essentially dead. But like when it comes to something like Spotify, the function and the value of exclusives is basically to drive more people to that platform. Do you think exclusives going to apply? That exclusivity is going to apply for just for both big shows and and like up and coming creators. Like, what's your sense on on how far the exclusivity like umbrella ends up sort of unfurling? It seems like exclusivity really only works for the big big stars because from a perspective of the platforms, if you're using them as a way to bring people over, yes, it benefits you to have you know, as many people as you can exclusive. But at the same time, like, you really need the big stars. That's who's going to get the headlines. That's who's going to bring in the st- the fans. I mean, Joe Rogan, great example. I don't know how well he's doing on Spotify. I have to imagine he's doing nearly very as well. well. I, I, very, very well. Yeah. I would, I'll say that about Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that brought people to Spotify for sure. And I just can't imagine them doing that for these smaller creators. Like, you know, there's no upside for the smaller creator, really. Yeah, so this split between the bigs and the independents, basically. Yes. But I think ultimately the question of whether the open ecosystem will prevail uh, largely comes down to, can you make money or make a living in this space? And I still think that's kind of TBD. Um, okay, so so then let's say like one day you want to fly free and become uh, Ashley Carmen personal brand. And you want to make a podcast and maybe try to build a business from there. What's your move in that context? Oh, Nick. Good question. (laughs) Have I thought about this before? I don't know. Um, So it's funny. I think in some ways, I think you have to do it on your own. Like you have to sort of, if you have the friends or you have the ability to edit your own show, because then you have control over growing the audience putting it on whatever hosting platform you want and hoping for the best, trying to do your own marketing. But at the same time, I'm like, ooh, if you could get a meeting with Spotify or Acast or whoever is willing to fund your show and you're able to get some cash up front, that's that's kind of awesome. So it it is really tough. I I don't fully know what I would do. It is tough. It's a tough one. Yeah, it, it kind of feels like why don't try to have your cake and eat it too? You know, try to have it both ways. Well, like, yeah, if, you know, if somebody's going to give you a bag of money, you're like, all right, I'll take the bag of money, but maybe not being an exclusive contract, right? Have yeah, something on the side, I would you know? want to own my IP. That is for sure. Right, and that's a big part of the of the fight in the in what we're seeing, sort of like the creators' rights and mm-hmm. and union labor union movement in podcasting right now, right? Exactly. Yeah. So one of the questions you and I sort of had talked about was what's going to happen in sort of these creator struggles as the industry expands. And I think IP was one of those big struggles we sort of highlighted where 
we we keep hearing about this on Spotify side. Um, the nod yeah. over the summer, the hosts talked a little bit about how they don't own the nod branding at all, even though they in you know believe that they own it because they conceptualized it. They were the hosts. They did everything for it, but they don't own it. And so we're now hearing about those conversations coming out of Spotify's unions where they're saying this is right. sort of a thing that they're stuck on agreeing. And, oh, I just don't know how that ends. I mean, there has to be a way to for Spotify or whoever to make money off of podcast IP right. while also giving some back to the creators. I mean, Vox Media has a union contract. Right. And I believe ours is like up to 100K if your story gets optioned, which is not, you know, a million dollars, but at least it's something. Right. You know, at very least, it should be like 50-50 or something like that, right? I mean, in the dream world, <laughs> not, sure. not to get yes. too much into the weeds of, of uh, union yeah. contracts here. But yeah, I should also say on, on the side here, like the, the sort of IP conversation is, it goes far beyond a nod situation. Uh, I think, it, as we previously mentioned, uh, there was sort of a, a, a similar sort of story with a former Elias Studios uh, producer, Bisha Youssef, over her show, which is now, uh, coincidentally, with Higher Ground. Do you sort of see this like union sort of push happen in more digital media and, and podcast uh, companies? It has to, I imagine. It's just every media company's unionizing. I would be shocked if it didn't spill over into podcasting as well. Mm -hmm. I think it probably applies more to, yeah, these independent studios possibly, but also kind of these bigger, bigger networks, like maybe like Wondery, you know, that would be really interesting. Well, now with Amazon, Amazon company, so <laughs> that would be interesting. I kind of doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> right, I would love to see it. Please, I would love to see right, it. But right. yeah, I mean, I imagine that it's a conversation that's happened. Why not? You know, um, right? It it just seems like the next natural step in media. Right. Let's let's go back to Spotify because honestly, it is. I don't know what everybody else is thinking, but Spotify remains, it feels like they're at the center, it's still at the center of the conversation, mm -hmm. but it still feels like the big question is with Spotify and will that particular bet work for that company? Mm -hmm. um, there was a report recently, I think it was just a projection, I believe it was eMarketer that put it out that uh, podcast listenership on Spotify uh, is expected to surpass uh, listenership on, on Apple Podcasts platform this year. Again, this is one projection, it's also an internal projection, so I don't know how much stock to put into it, but it does feel like directionally, they have some momentum. Do you think that the bet will work? I guess it depends on what they want out of it. I mean, so I interviewed Daniel Eck, Spotify CEO, a few weeks ago at this point about sort of their their ideas for the business. And it was so interesting because he, he seemed to suggest that they don't see exclusives and podcasts necessarily driving subscribers. They just want more people on the platform so that they can use ads against yeah. them. They have various ways they want to monetize. So I think if you're a investor or something and what you're mainly caring about is subscription, I don't necessarily know. I don't know because Spotify is free right. and like that's a perk and it's around the world. And I imagine that's appealing to people who maybe, you know, can't afford to pay $10 a month or whatever for Spotify. So I imagine that, that that's a perk, but maybe not for investors. As far as bringing more people to the platform and using those ears for advertisements, I imagine this would pay off. At, I do, yeah. especially because Apple, the main leader as a podcast platform, is only on Apple devices. And I just don't... Android is the dominant ecosystem for smartphones. Globally. Speaking. Yeah, globally. Yeah. Globally. <laughs> and so it just seems like the global play is here. 
And Spotify yeah. is in the best position at this point. Maybe Acast. I don't know. I'm interested in Acast. But Spotify is the best position from a player perspective to really to pull this off. Yeah, because, I mean, they're already on a ton of like smartphones. Like I think part of the problem with something like Acast is that you're, you're trying to get people to sort of download your app. Yeah. And that's hard. Uh, and Spotify already has sort of a, a pre-existing position uh, with music. And so... I don't know. I still get the feeling that when I look at Spotify and I and I look at what they're trying to say and I look at how they're trying to articulate their vision of the future, I still feel like we we are not a hundred percent sort of clear as to what they want for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like you know, it's it feels like it's a lot of improvisation of the next step and just having high dreams basically. And I don't know. I feel like there's a way in which that when I try to talk about Spotify, that it's my language is limiting because podcasting is not the only thing they're going to try. Like, they're going to try so many other kinds of shit. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and the, the question is sort of, will this labor base and, and base of creators and, and producers, if that kind of pool of creators ends up being compromised somehow, or like, they'll essentially sort of be commoditized in ways that um, musicians seem to be com- commoditized of these streaming services. Yeah, I do think there's a couple, a couple of things that stand out to me as ways it could go wrong for Spotify. One is, like you mentioned, creators. I think as we see, and we'll probably get to this, social audio kind of bringing new creators into the field. Anchor has really been this great tool to bring new podcasters into the field and get them to put their shows both on Spotify and other platforms. But I think as maybe Twitter, like Twitter's product manager told The Verge that Spaces is is, is going to allow people to record. Yeah. So it, it just seems like, you know, there might be someone who comes in and allows people to start using creation tools differently. And that might affect how many different shows are on Spotify's platform because they are really crediting Anchor with making their catalog so big. And Spotify's catalog, I, I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but they they basically say like a huge portion of their shows come from Anchor. So if people start shifting away from Anchor and go on Clubhouse or Fireside, whatever, maybe that pool will kind of dry up. Coming up, will social audio help or end podcasts? The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps. LAist has a new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We Are Where We Eat will go behind the scenes of some of your favorite L.A. restaurants to find out how and why they do what they do. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for the first event where we'll explore how restaurants help make a neighborhood and we'll all have something delicious to eat afterwards. It's May 22nd at the Crawford. Get your tickets now at LAist.com events. Okay, Ashley, uh, let's talk about social audio, uh, specifically Clubhouse. I'm going to throw out what is basically a concern troll question, but do you think um, Clubhouse is going to kill podcasting? No, no. But I do think that you will have the people who are really good on Clubhouse will become podcasters. 
Oh, you're saying you're saying it's going to flow that direction. Definitely. Tell me, uh, wh- why? What do you think that's going to happen? So. F- I love using Patty Stanger as my example. Please tell me you watch Millionaire Matchmaker. Please, I Nick. Do watch, yes, I do watch okay. Millionaire Matchmaker. I'm obsessed with Patty Stanger's rooms on Clubhouse. Obsessed. And I actually asked her a question the other day. This wasn't my question, but I did say, you need to get a podcast. And she was like, I'm going to. Like, I've talked to everybody. She said she's holding out for Spotify. Right. But I was like, that just makes so much sense. Like, when I hear her in a room, she's so charismatic. She's obviously like a professional entertainer. She's a good speaker. I'm like, wait, how do I just get this regularly for an hour? Like, I don't want to hear the other stuff. I just want to hear her for an hour. Like, please. And so it just made me think, okay, if you're good on Clubhouse, you're going to be good as a podcaster. And your show will probably do well as a podcast. Whereas if you're mediocre on Clubhouse, I don't necessarily think you would would be good as a podcaster. And this is going not on like narrative shows. I do think narrative is a whole different skill set, you know, journalistically and all of that. But right. I'm talking like the talk shows. If you're not right. good on Clubhouse, I don't think you're probably good as a podcaster. All right. It, it, I mean, in general, it's also reinforcing this this larger point that there's like, you know, there are many, many different kinds of podcasts, right? So in this case, like the talkers, right? The sort of conversational, mm-hmm. quote unquote, gap fest style, like it, that can live on Clubhouse and sort of flow between the two mediums pretty effectively yeah. but like a little bit harder if you're talking about something like on the media or something like that right, right? Maybe, yeah. yeah and a lot of these talk shows aren't very edited i mean the appeal is kind of they're off the cuff yeah whatever so yeah i could see that happening on clubhouse i mean again you know some of these people on clubhouse i click through to their instagram and twitter and they have like 300 followers on both but then they have forty thousand followers on clubhouse so it is entirely possible that even if you are big on clubhouse and you're like hey i have a new podcast check it out follow me here people might not follow you so you know this might not end up happening but i could totally see it where some of the biggest stars get discovered through clubhouse or some of these other social audio apps so it kind of feels like what you're saying is that the clubhouse is both an extension of uh, you know, social media influencer life, but also it, it plugs into everything else, like all sorts of media does these days. Yeah. And what I would also say is I feel like last year or maybe the past few years, a lot of the podcast discussion, which has sort of died down, was around discovery, right? Everyone was like, how do you make audio super easy to discover? And everyone kind of pointed to Spotify as maybe being able to crack this with its playlists. And I do think, though, for what it's worth, Clubhouse has sort of cracked that code. I mean, they have an algorithm. It's audio. It is kind of what people have been asking for in that way. But it also feels unequal, right? Um, Because you could argue that playlists and the algorithm are still going to showcase the big names and not much else. Yes, totally. I think playlists could easily become unequal. Clubhouse right now, I think, is still pretty early on. It would not surprise me if there's some, I mean, we even see like how to become a millionaire is like the big room that you'll see, you know, or like scammy rooms that those pop to the top. So I don't necessarily think they're unequal. I think it might be more like not great content rises to the top on Clubhouse and the algorithm, right? (laughs) right, The algorithm might reward things that aren't great. So it's just funny because we've had this conversation around discovery and podcasting for a long time where it's like, we need an algorithm to save us, like good, good tools to, to make shows better and show them to more people. And we're kind of maybe going to see that play out with Clubhouse where it's like, well, actually, guess what? The algorithm's going to serve you the crap that you don't care about. And maybe we do yeah. just need the manual curation we've seen. And that's the best we're going to get, plus these huge marketing budgets. Okay, let's talk about the future of pods. Um, and I want to talk about the future outside of Spotify. 
What do you think is the next chapter for podcast companies and entrepreneurs uh, in regards to development or behind the scenes stuff? I really think it's going to be around discovery. I do. I think it's going to be around like different types of clips and different types of, <laughs> I know, I know, clips and software that kind of helps with marketing. I think it's going to be around the social audio still. Yeah. I really think it's around discovery. Um because that's sort of the the green pasture, I think, that's a little bit unmined still. Whereas, you know, we have these big players, we have the, the hosts, we have the ad networks, we have the production networks, we have all of that. So I, right. I think kind of the software discovery side of things might be kind of where it pops next. What about on the creator side? Do you think podcasters still need to attach themselves to a network? The creator side, I think it's probably easier than ever to become a podcaster, which is really neat and cool. But I also do think that there is value in a network still. I wouldn't necessarily be like, everyone should strike out on their own and go get it. Because I just don't necessarily yeah. believe that that can happen just yet. Yeah, that kind of vibes of kind of how I feel things are going to go. Like podcast networks used to be thought about in terms of how they're able to accumulate advertising potential. Mm -hmm. But it feels like it's a little bit different in 2021 when uh, advertising is increasingly either going to a larger sort of uh, advertising agency or one of these programmatic plug-and-play marketplaces, right? You can just kind of basically like a YouTube situation. I am watching uh, pretty closely like this thing that popped up around the Clubhouse Circle called the Audio Collective of a couple of sort of relatively high-profile <laughs> Clubhouse influencers, uh, however defined, banding together to try to capitalize on, on sort of boutique uh, mm -hmm. brand spends essentially and also advocate for better outcomes and on the platform mm -hmm. I think that's a form of organizing that's pretty loose and that's pretty interesting mm -hmm. um, and, I'm, and I'm sort of curious as to whether that will happen as well in the sort of podcast labor space and, and maybe it will maybe it will mm -hmm. um, when you look forward so at some point at some point uh, we will get vaccinated at some <laughs> point the pandemic will be over or, or move to a different stage however you want to phrase that uh, epidemiologically speaking what do you think the immediate impacts are? Or, or what do you think we should be looking out for as, uh, you know, the world opens back up uh, from a podcast perspective? <laughs> yeah. Me to be happier, smile every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as I know, I don't think podcasts really took a dip in listenership and you would maybe know better than me. Is that accurate to say you think? Yeah. I mean, it dipped and then it sort of recovered by the second half of 2020. Yeah. So I would kind of expect that if anything, it might, tick up when people have more time to commute just mm -hmm. because I do think myself included that is the main time I was listening to things now I do take my daily walk for my mental health as we all must but that's kind of like very limited so mm -hmm. I do think that commute time is crucial for podcasting I think that if, yeah I really do believe we might actually see an uptick um and I think that some of these habits, like again, around kind of kids programming, mm -hmm. sort of this push away from screens, that will probably stick around and probably just grow a little bit more as well. Yeah. I, I do think we might actually just see growth after this. Well, that's a very optimistic way to read it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, please go. Do you think the opposite? I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm racing to chaos. Like I, I, I like actually genuinely am 50-50 about whether the gains sustained during <laughs> the sort of pandemic era would be followed through because I think, you know, if we do hit some sort of situation where uh, there's like a roaring 20s reprise, right? <laughs> Whether, uh, I don't know, uh, people will be sort of like hungry for different kinds of experiences, right? And so <laughs> I'm just sort of, I'm curious, I'm curious as to how that would sort of play out in, across all media. Like, 
Yeah. It's not just podcasting that I'm curious about. Like, is, if Netflix is going to sort of see decreases, you know? <laughs> oh, Netflix, I'm like, good luck. I don't ever want to watch another show again. Like, I need time away. So I right. have a feeling a lot of people feel that way. So Netflix, I'm like, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> but I do think that we also are at a point where we all want to be constantly entertained. Like, do I want to be alone with my thoughts? No. Sure. Do I want to be staring at a screen? <laughs> no. Guess what? Audio. Listen, I think the reality is that we're still going to have to be staring at screens after things open up because... I know. It's my yeah, job. It's a sad reality of our, of our uh, digital lives. Um, <laughs> what continues to be exciting to you about the podcast business? Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm such a nerd in that. I get really excited about business deals and things. <laughs> I know. It's so lame. Whenever I talk to people, they're like, what do you care about podcasting? I'm like, I love business and it's so about, interesting to care me. care about venture deals. Yeah, but, but I am fascinated by like where the money goes. I just think following money is a very interesting way to go about things. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm interested to see the acquisitions. I'm interested to see who makes money in podcasting. Is it going to just be all at this top of the influencers and the celebs? Or could we see someone that come to these independent creators who maybe have made it in the past, but now are competing against a bigger pool of people? Um, those are those are sort of the big struggles I want to see play out and how they go. That That's what keeps it exciting for me. Yeah, pretty much the same. I'm always interested in sort of what's the next big show, what's the next interesting, like, uh, execution in terms of just like podcasts, like form and aesthetics and the different ways that people bring it can sort of open up that uh, what a podcast means. Uh, but yeah, I'm 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 very 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 curious about whether you can build a life separate and apart from these platforms in in 2021. Which again, in in, in some ways, is sort of a false question because it's not like you were ever free of Apple podcasts in the past, right? <laughs> like everybody's fighting for the charts, everybody's fighting for for sort of real estate in, in the front page. And so I don't know. It, it feels like. Um, I am curious as to what the what the fight is going to be for it, and I really do think it's, it's going to sort of come down around like workers stuff, and I think that's that's probably the next really interesting era of how that kind of that stuff forms out. Because honestly, it's not just a podcast story, right? It's, it's a it's a creative labor story writ large. Um, it it sucks to be a person who who has to make stuff all the time and and to be exploited as such, and so that that to me I think is the interesting threat, exciting threat moving forward. Yeah. Um, what are you listening to these days? Let's close it out on that. <laughs> So I listen to Pivot from Vox. It's the Kara Swisher Scott Galloway show. I just enjoy their energy and I care about tech. But I also have been listening to kind of a different – I've been doing a lot of meditation. Same. Um, which I know <laughs> isn't – yeah, it's not a podcast, right. but it's really interesting. I've been listening to um, – You're on a headspace grind? Well, here's the thing. So I am the classic pandemic story of like – low back pain i sit at a desk um and so there's an app called curable which focuses on like this idea of the like neurological connection to pain and they do all these audio lessons as well as audio meditation mm. and that's what i've been spending my time doing which has been super helpful and great for me Ashley, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a much better year uh, than last year. Yeah, seriously. Here's to hoping, Nick. So, like I said at the beginning of this episode, this is the last episode of Serving a Pod. This has been such an amazing experiment, and the whole team at Elias and I are thrilled with what we did. We'll keep you posted on what comes next, so stay tuned for more on that soon. 
For now, be sure to check out all the episodes in the feed. Thanks for coming along on this ride, and thank you for listening. Servant Pod is written and hosted by me, Nick Kwa. You can check out more episodes at alias.com slash servantapod. The show is produced by Andreas Wahe, James Trout, and John Perotti at Rococo Punch. Web design by Andy Cheatwood and the digital and marketing teams at Southern California Public Radio. Logo and branding by Leo G. Thanks to the team at Alias Studios, including Kirsten Hayford, Taylor Kaufman, Kristen Muller, and Leo G. Servant Pod is a production of LAS Studios. I feel in the Hispanic communities, we're just told to kind of just keep going. Don't feel. I'm LAS mental health reporter Robert Garova. Getting mental health care is often overwhelming. If you have a patient that was admitted for a serious suicide attempt, if they haven't been suicidal for 24 hours, the insurance company is like, get them the hell out. My reporting helps unravel the knot by focusing on the stories of people struggling to make the mental health care system work for them. LAS, independent journalism, fact-based journalism. Colorado River is running dry. Water may not reach millions of people. If there's no water, there's no water for everybody. It's up to California's lead negotiator, a 28-year-old. This is a historic thing coming. And six other negotiators to find a solution. I want an agreement that lessens the pain for all of us, not just some of us. Listen to Imperfect Paradise, the Gen Z water dealmaker, wherever you get podcasts.